Section 5 of Malaria in Greek History by William Henry Samuel Jones and Edward Theodore Withington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. Chapter 5. The Extent to Which Malaria Prevailed It is unfortunately impossible to assert positively that malaria was unknown in Greece during the early period. The argument from silence is proverbially dangerous, but it is at least remarkable that the ancients themselves threw doubt upon the meaning of the Homeric reference to Paretos, while some of the best scholars hold that the word Epilos, as used by Theognes, means nightmare, not Aug. On the other hand, excellent authorities have been at a loss to reconcile with the presence of severe endemic malaria, the highest state of civilization which is known to have existed. On the whole, it is safe to assert that the disease could not have been prevalent to any great extent. With regard to Attica, the evidence appears to be a little more conclusive. In the first place, there is a curious prominence of fever, with special mention of Epilos in the wasps of Aristophanes. Secondly, the introduction of the cult of Asclepius, 420 BC, implies that ill health was common. Finally, the Decilian War, by preventing the cultivation of the soil, offered most favourable conditions to the malaria mosquito. It is quite certain that this war would greatly increase the amount of malaria in the district, if it existed at all before. If, on the other hand, the disease was absent from Attica before the last quarter of the 5th century, it would, on its introduction, spread with great rapidity, owing to the neglect of irrigation and agriculture during the Peloponnesian War. In either case, when Attica was or was not malarious during the period before his struggle with Sparta, the frequent mention of malaria in the plays of Aristophanes is certainly accounted for by the condition of Attica at the time. There is no a priori difficulty involved in the supposition that Attica was non-malarious, or comparatively so, even as late as 430 BC. It is now known that two factors Mosquitoes and infected persons are necessary before the disease can spread, so that the inquirer is no longer in the difficulty of Maculoc, who seems to have been only too eager to admit that Rome in her day of greatness was not malarious, but was yet forced to take the other view, just because he was convinced that where marshes are, there malaria must abound. But if anopheline mosquitoes were few in number, and the malaria patients entering the country from malarious regions escaped being bitten. The disease would not get a firm grip upon Attica until favourable conditions were offered to the mosquito. Then especially if the number of malaria patients coming in from abroad increased, as they probably would do in more time, a malaria epidemic would be a certainty, and once epidemic, the disease usually becomes endemic. Even during the last few years, according to observers on the spot, malaria seems to have increased in certain parts of Attica. The present fearful state of Marathon is said by Dr. A.K. Anastopoulos to be due to the railway running into Bougia. Increased faculty of communication has, according to this authority, caused malaria patients from Bougia to be bitten by the mosquitoes in the Marathonian marshes. Whether this explanation be true or false, it is at least certain that malaria has much increased in this district even within the memory of man.
It seems probable enough, then, when once the disease established itself in ancient Greece, it raged severely. Many facts, at any rate, point in this direction. In spite of the woods that, in classical times, were growing on the mountain sides, torrents, charadri, chamarori, were common enough, and these, by partially drying up in summer, would form little pools and so spread malaria, as they do to this day. The Greeks had a special name, Telma, for land which, being low, became a marsh after heavy rain. Swamps of this sort breed mosquitoes very rapidly, and the references show how common they were. Istromachus, in explaining to Socrates a good way to enrich the land, says, Heaven supplies water, or the low places become swamps, Telmenta, and the earth supplies all kinds of growth. He who is going to sow must clear the land. If he throw into the water the refuse, the mere lapse of time will turn it presently into that in which the land delights. For what growth, what earth does not, when the stagnant water becomes manure? This single passage is enough to show that ancient Greece fulfilled the conditions required for the rapid development of malaria, although the method recommended in the Oeconomicus would, no doubt, lessen the danger to a certain extent. Strabo's description of Boeotia forces the reader to conclude that malaria would spread there with great rapidity and to a high degree of severity, an examination of the context where Greek writers used the words elos, typhos, and their derivatives afford additional proof of the extent to which the country could harbour the mosquito. The immediate neighbourhood of Athens was probably more marshy in ancient times than it is now, besides the bed of the Elysis, which then as now was often a series of shallow pools, there were swamps in the neighbourhood of the Piraeus and Philirium, and small marshes near the Lyceum and Ceramicus, in the district called Limnae, and on the side of the stadium. The Cephesus, in all probability, bred hosts of mosquitoes at the proper season, and it is just possible that the sacred olives, Morae, Sequoi, which were preserved so carefully, even when they had become old and rotten, helped to increase the number of the insects. Athens itself was very muddy in wet weather, and it is clear from a passage in The Wasps, where the old men who form the chorus are represented as much troubled by the mud in the streets. Of course, it is not likely that larvae of anophilines would have been found in the streets of Athens, but the muddy states of these streets shows that suitable puddles must have existed in suitable places. Aristotle says in his Natural History that larvae were often to be found in muddy cisterns, friata, and other places where there was a sediment of earth. This in all probability refers to Chironomus, but the Athenian method of storing water may well have helped to spread malaria. I cannot identify with anephalines any of the insects mentioned in Greek writings, but the Athenians were sadly plagued by mosquitoes and other insects. By the most common cogent testimony to the rapidity with which malaria must have spread is to be found in the absence of prophylactic measures and the lack of adequate means of treatment. While the Greeks knew that marshes were dangerous, they do not appear to have been in the least aware of the part played by the mosquito. Herodotus mentions, apparently as a curiosity, the habit of the Egyptian marsh dwellers who at night wrap themselves in their fishing nets in order to avoid the bite of the insect, while the word for mosquito net, konopion, konopion, seems to be of quite late origin. 
some of the Greek customs were calculated to a little to increase disease. The Greeks carried on their wars in the warm months. The Olympic Games were held in the middle of summer, that is, in the height of the malaria season, and also in a district liable because of the river Alpheus to become malarious. The enormous crowds that gathered together on such occasions from all quarters of the Greek world could scarcely fail to become badly infected. It is quite impossible adequately to fight malaria without quinine. In Italy, its sale is regulated by law, and the Greek Anti-Malaria League is striving hard to secure for Greece a constant supply of the drug, and to see that it be cheap and pure. Stephanos says that the Greek peasant values quinine as highly as he does bread. Physicians have noticed that since the use of quinine has become more common, malaria has diminished, not only in extent but in severity. In ancient Greece, of course, quinine was unknown, and the disease must have run its course unchecked by any really efficacious remedy. It should be observed that quinine not only relieves the patient, but also by killing the parasites in his blood, prevents the mosquito from carrying the infection from him to healthy persons. End of section 5